Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Oheb Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week we read Parsha Kitavo, which contains, amongst other things, a short list of blessings that will happen to the Jewish people if we obey God's commandments and listen to what God says when we enter the land of Israel, and a much, much, much longer list of many colorful curses that will happen to us if we don't listen to what God's commandments are. And what I want to do today is to consider one of the one of the conclusion of the blessings, um, which is kind of a, an interesting phrase and what it might mean. So the blessings begin in chapter 28, and they begin in a way that we might expect blessings to begin. Right. Basically, it says, if you listen to God and you faithfully observe all these commandments, then here are the blessings that are going to come. You're going to be blessed in the city and in the country, and you're going to have children, and you're going to grow lots of food, and you're going to have lots of offsprings of your cattle, and you'll have lots of dole of blessings in your kneading bowl, and uh, you know you, your enemies will be shot down. They won't succeed against you. There will be lots of blessings, 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 sort of the ideal image of an autonomous nation, agrarian nation, living in its own land. You're going to do as well as possible with your farming and your crops, and no one's going to bother you. But then, towards the end in verse 13, we have a more abstract bracha. It says, Hashem lamata. That God will make you the head, not the tail, and you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. So what a lot of the commentators and rabbis point out is that this, as compared to everything that comes before it, is pretty abstract. It's not a specific concrete blessing. It just says you're going to be the hail, the head, excuse me, and not the tail. The rosh, the lil is enough. You're always going to be at the top and not at the bottom. Well, that's a nice general sentiment, but it isn't actually a concrete vision for something. And so what I want to do today is just to look at a couple of different explanations in the Ramban and also the Nitziv to try to see what were the different understandings of what this meant. So the second explanation that is offered by the Ramban is actually what I want to start with, and it's somewhat more general. He says, what does it mean to be the head and not the tail? He says it means is it a blessing for eternity. In other words, you are always going to be the head and you will never be the tail. As opposed to one way we could interpret it, which is eventually, if you listen to God, eventually you're going to be the head and not the tail. But he says, no, that's not what it means. It means that as long as you listen to God, you will always be the head and not the tail, right? This is something olam. It's permanent. It's forever. So that's a more general, broad way of understanding what it means to be the head and not the tail. Then, actually, the first explanation he offers is a little bit more detailed. So what does he say? The Ramban says, okay, what does it mean, the head and not the tail? It means that God is going to make you the head of all people, and you're not going to be the tail for any one of them. So let's think about it. Let's say there are 10 nations in the world. What the Ramban is saying is you could be number two. You could be the head for eight nations. But still, the tail regarding nation number one, right? You could still, number two is a pretty good position out of 10, right? You're still the head for eight of them, and you only need the tail for one of them. But the Ramban says, nope, what to be the head and not the tail 
to be lama'ala, velotiye lamata, means you are never going to be the tail of any other nation. No other nation is going to be, as he says, nichbad mimeno, is going to be more distinguished, more honored than the Jewish people. So that's what the Ramban says. Now I wanted to look at the Nitziv, who takes says something similar, but there are some subtle differences. So, and he also does what some of what a lot of other rabbis do, which is make this not just about nation versus nation, but also individual versus individual way of taking this pasuk and in a post-autonomous Jewish society, uh, make, still making it pretty relevant for our lives. And he says that the Torah, think about, you could think about a person who is the best at some things and most things even, but there's one thing that they're really bad at, like worse than most people. I could be, let's say I could be you know, balat uh, chesed, do lots of chesed, and you give lots of tzedakah, and you go to shul, and you learn, and this and that and that, but I steal. It's just this one thing I do. I'm much worse than everybody else with it, but I'm much better than everybody else at just about all other religious expressions. And so what he's saying is, what this means is you're never going to be in a situation where you are worse than other people at anything. But you also might not be the best at something, but you're also never going to be the worst. So what does this mean? Well, I think what he's saying is, it's not that the Jewish people, it's not that a person would to be at the Roshan and not the Zenav. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect at everything. You have to excel at everything. You have to be the best at everything. It just means that you're not going to be worse than anybody else. You can be the head and not the tail. If you are surrounded by people, some people who are as mediocre as you are, right? You can be totally mediocre at something. Maybe, you know, I don't know. You learn Torah once a month and you really want to learn every day or something like that. I don't know. It's not that you, therefore, the, the blessing is, the expression that you're always going to be at the Rosh means you're going to be perfect at everything. It just means that other people won't be better than you. So there can be kind of a, a status quo of mediocrity, let's say, and that the really the ultimate blessing here is that other people are not going to be better than you even if you aren't perfect at something, right? It envisions a world in which no one's perfect and that's okay. It's just that no one's perfect. It's not like, oh, one person is perfect and everyone else isn't. No, literally no one is perfect. So this kind of moves much more out of this objective status and into this subjective status, into a much more realistic realm. And just saying, you're not, you know, you're not gonna be perfect at everything, but you're also not gonna be surrounded by people who are. Um, and I, perhaps I would argue, I think that's the try to, the try to, the, the social ethic that I think we try to develop for ourselves is to, you know, we always have, we even have this expression, well, nobody's perfect, right? Literally nobody's perfect. We all just accept that we have flaws and everyone else has flaws. And the vision here is no one else is going to like be better than you. That is the idea of this bracha. So it's, it's more friendly. I think it's more welcoming. It's actually much more equalizing 
um, by not saying you have to be perfect. Being perfect is a very tall order. But, but just by saying you can't be the worst either. No one else is going to be perfect. And I thought it was interesting also that it, it speaks to the human anxiety of you, we don't like being worse at things than other people. And I know that I actually, when I'm struggling with something, I find a tremendous amount of solace and comfort. Um, I shouldn't say solace, I just have comfort of, of community, of a sigh of relief when I learn, I talk to people about it and realize that they also struggle with similar things. There's a lot of comfort in knowing that you're not alone at something. And if you know that you're struggling with something, you suddenly can feel okay about it as long as you know that other people are struggling with it also. And I think that's part of what the Nativ is getting at, is that we don't have to hold ourselves to a status of perfection. We just don't want to be worse at something that other people are perfect at. And I think that's the part where the bracha comes in. I wouldn't, I, I would never advise someone, well, you have to be, per- if anyone else is better at this than you are, you have to be perfect. No, I'm, maybe that's advice for an Olympian, but that's not advice for an average human being. Um, but I do think it's interesting that he gets at that anxiety of feeling like other people are better than you and that that is actually the opposite of a blessing. And, and actually, as we see later, also a curse to be the tale um, and not the head. And I thought that this was appropriate to discuss this year because we have Rosh Hashanah in, I guess, a week and a half. And one of the the things we say, we have, um, some people have sheep head or fish head. I'm a vegetarian. Lord knows we do not have that. I like to cut the heads off of gummy fish. Um, and that's as far as I will go. But we say that you should be like the Rosh and not the Zanav, right? You should be the head and not the tail. We like to give each other a bracha. It makes sense that the, for this new year, for Rosh Hashanah, literally the, the head, the new year, we're going to be at the top and not at the bottom. Um, and so I thought that that made this appropriate, where I think the struggle that I certainly feel for this year is that this envisions a world in which there is, um, there are layers, there are strata, there are people, things who are that are better and things that are worse. And I know that when I'm thinking about this year and Rosh Hashanah this year, it's hard for me to think about heads and tails, literally, as a linear object. But really, frankly, I feel like I'm just kind of stuck in an endless loop, right? Heads and tails implies a beginning and an end, a top and a bottom. What happens if you're stuck in our now year and a half pandemic and you don't feel like there's a top or a bottom, but you're just going to feel like you're stuck in an endless loop? Last year, we were surprised that we had a compromised high holiday season because we thought, well, we already went through this with Pesach. I can't believe we're doing this again for Rosh Hashanah. I still remember saying that. No one, we couldn't have even wrapped our heads around the fact that a year later we would still be compromised by COVID. We would still be davening outdoors. Who thought that that was actually going to happen a year later? And yet here we are. And I know that this is wearing certainly on me and on many other people. And you just feel like we're just trudging along, just trying to get through day to day. And we thought at the beginning, I think part of the comfort of, or at least what makes you able to survive a pandemic in the beginning is thinking, well, this is a real big low and we know we're going to get out of it. But a year and a half into it, when you've had hot ups and lows, you've had the malo, the mata, enough of them that you don't longer feel like there actually is a definitive head or tail. You feel like, well, maybe I'm just stuck in a circle, right? Like I said, this endless loop where 
I'm never going to get that high again. And I don't even know what the low is anymore because every time we think we've had a low, we then have another low that makes us realize that actually maybe our initial low wasn't as low as we thought. And so I was thinking about this and also thinking about the fact that though one of the themes of Rosh Hashanah, at least the brachas that we give ourselves, is you should be like the head and not the tail, we also eat round food, right? We eat round challah which signifies that life at the same time that we want to be top or bottom is also round, that life is also cyclical, that we do go around in circles. And now most of the time, I think we like to think of that as a very positive message. And like I said, this year, I'm struggling with it also. But though I think that's a struggle for many of us this year, I think there's also some comfort in knowing that head and tail is not the only model of existence of the world, especially individual existence in the world. And that there's also a place for the roundness. There's also a place of feeling like that chala that just goes around in a circle and doesn't have a beginning or an end. And that our lives right now don't, shouldn't just feel like Ugh, such an exception from the norm, but maybe also have some place in that modeling as well. And so I wish you all a good Shabbos. And um, a, I mean, I'll record next week, but still um, in advance, a Shana Tova. And I thought, I hope that we all get through this season and remember that though we're in our loop, we will also, God willing, merit to see better times as well.